Welcome to Grant Seeker Coffee Talks, a podcast for nonprofits to listen and learn from their peers. In this episode, we are talking about burnout. What is it? What causes it? And how to avoid it? We'll be hearing from three different experts in the nonprofit world on their experiences with burnout. The first voice we are going to hear is Bethany Planton, who is the founder and CEO of BMP Consulting. We'll also be hearing from Trisha Bachman, owner and lead consultant at The Right Stuff Delaware, and Jonah Rogers, founder of Jonah Rogers Consulting. All right, let's join the conversation. Today, we're going to talk about who each of us are um, and our individual journeys with burnout. Um, and then we're going to give you a de- definitions of burnout and how to be able to recognize burnout in yourself and others. And then hopefully we'll give you some you know, good takeaways that help you do something actually about burnout, whether you're experiencing it now or you think, you know, it's definitely a possibility you might experience it in the future or you have a friend that is experiencing it. So as mentioned, we are Jonna, Trish, and I'm Bethany. So Jonna, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself? Thank you, Bethany. Um, You should know that burnout first doesn't start on a random Tuesday. It happens over time. And for me, that time was about seven or eight years into full-time, into the full-time grant profession. I'd always done grants, but full-time, seven or eight years. And I I didn't really understand what was happening until I was at a reception, a Christmas reception, and a a colleague in a school district said, yeah, I've decided to leave grant writing. I just, I can't do it anymore. I'm getting to transfer to another position. The burnout is just killing me. And it was like this gobsmack moment. And as my, Kim, my friend Kimberly Hayes-Demuga would say, what is this burnout of which you speak? I, it, what, what, is, what is that? And I started reading and thinking about it. And at that point in my life, I still felt that it was all my fault and that I could work my way out of it if I just tried hard. I, I really thought that. Um, but yeah, I couldn't. I didn't. And my journey is about that. Um, I even at one point developed uh, a series of presentations for the Grant Professional Association, and I still do those, about specific things to help you think through your burnout. Not fix it, but think about it. Um, So as I kept going, kept going, it still didn't get better. And one Monday morning, I call it the Monday morning in my car, I'm headed to the office and I I say a prayer and I say, I say, God, just just let one thing happen good today. Just, Just one thing. Just, just one. It, it's staff meeting day. I hate staff meeting day. I cannot sit in this room with these smart people and pretend that I'm loving everything I'm doing when I really want to cry. I can't do it. And, you know, it was tough. I, I realized in those moments that I was not as excited as I should be to do the great work we were doing at an organization that was really good. And so in a little bit, I'll tell you how that story ended up and how that Monday morning moved to Tuesday and Wednesday and into the future. Trish, I'll hand it over to you. Thanks, Jonna. So my burnout journey started several years ago when I was involved in an impaired driving crash and a loved one was killed and I was injured. And that launched me into victim, uh, victim advocacy and into advocacy in general, because I wanted to make sense of what happened to me. And so um, I wanted to prevent it from happening to someone else. 
and it started my journey with a national organization that works to stop drunk driving. And so I began with uh, working as a victim advocate, as a local founder of, of our Delaware affiliate office. And from there, I moved up to a victim advocate and to the affiliate executive director. It was a very stressful time because I was passion driven and I wanted to make sense of what happened to me and I wanted to prevent it from happening to other people. But in my work with victim advocacy, I also met other people who had been hurt by the same trauma. And so I felt that habit, helping them would make a difference. But the trouble was that in trying to heal myself and working with the organization and working with other people who needed to be healed, I was trying to be all things to all people. And it was exhausting and it burnt me out. You'll hear the rest of my story a little bit later on. But I am, I am generally um, an upbeat person and I'm a helper at heart. And uh, Bethany, I'm gonna pass it to you. Thank you both. And so um, my, each story obviously is a little different. We all have different parts. And so I actually had heard of burnout and we kind of talked about burnout when I was in college. Um, just, I was a communications major. And so that was, you know, we're closely tied to sociology and social and physiology. So um, it was something that, you know, we worked with social workers, you know, just that type of people we had heard about burnout, but I didn't experience it until a couple of years into my career and I was started working for a community college. And this was not a position of passion. I didn't really care that much, but I lived in an area where literally there was no other place to work. That was the major employer. Um, population was very small. And so I was, you know, I was the only grant professional at that college and it was only 20 hours a week. It was a part-time job with no benefits, none. No benefits. And um, that's really what I was looking for. I mean, not the no benefits, but the part-time was what I was looking for at the time. That's all I wanted. Um, so I was okay with it when I took it. But then it quickly became apparent to me that working at the community college, you really, it's hard to have success with just a part-time grant writer. I mean, 20 hours a week for a whole community college, that's, you're not getting much done, you know, um, with grants. So within my first year, there were plans to try to make that position full-time. Um, it'd be full-time with summers off, which was great because at the time I was married to a professor, so he had summers off. And so it would, you know, it'd been nice. We both had time off at the same time. Um, and they may have included a few more benefits. We hadn't gotten that far, but I went through the whole interview process, um, which at a community college is several interviews. You have a different groups in, and then including the president at the very end. This should have been clue number one. I had to wait an hour over an hour for my interview with the president because he just simply wasn't there yet. Boggles my mind still. I still can get enraged thinking about that. Um, so we went through the whole interview process and guess what? It stayed part time. We went through that whole thing. And so in the next year, this president that we just all loved, mm -hmm, um, we've all had those, right? Uh, so there was very little oversight and support given from college leadership. I had no idea what their strategic plan was, what we should be doing, what really, what grants were really the most important to go after. Um, and I moved, not me, not only me, but lots of people were moving offices at the time, which that's pretty disruptive to keep moving offices. So I moved offices four times in that year, including one time being from an actual like office with a door to out in the open where people just walked by. Um, 
that they had also hired a consulting firm that was supposed to help with the grant writing and kind of, I thought, lead us. Yeah, no, they didn't really know grant writing. They just made it worse. It made it, gave me a bigger headache to deal with them. Um, and then they did increase the hours to 30 hours for, I can't remember how much, how long now, but, but still no benefits. Um, so it got to the point where, I mean, any passion I had, which I already told you this wasn't really a passion job, but any passion I had for it was depleted. Didn't care. I don't care what happens at this community college. I don't care about, you know, anything. Didn't want to come to work. I dreaded going to work every day. Um, and then I'd come back from one or two vacations over the summer and just could not, did not want to make myself go in. And so I'll tell you the rest of what happened when it gets to my turn. So now turning it back over to Jonna. All right. So I'm going to talk a little bit about what burnout is, but I'm going to start by talking about what burnout is not. Burnout is not, um, it's not your fault. Okay. Whatever you, whatever you want to say, it's not your fault. This is not something you created in yourself. This is not you being type A um, and it's not in your head. In fact, we kind of wanted to call this session, you're not crazy. That's, that's exactly what we wanted to call it. But if we thought that might be a little, eh, went with a more PC <laughs> title, right? So um, in addition, it's not something that you can just manage yourself out of. It's not about your time management skills. Who's guilty of saying that? You know, if I can just learn to manage my time better, then I'll get all this done. No, it is not that. Um, and as we'll see on the next slide, burnout is very real. In fact, it's been studied and studied for decades. Um, as as um, we started looking at this journey, Trish and Bethany and I, we first looked at our own stories and brought our own experiences, but we also dug into the research from Maslach and Leiter. They are key to the work in burnout uh, for every profession um, that we could find. And they define this specifically as exhaustion, cynicism, and professional um, inefficacy. That is, you've, you just don't feel you're doing a good job. You don't have the ability to do a good job. So I want you to think about that. Exhaustion, cynicism, and professional inefficacy. And as you, as you think about those things, and Trish is going to get more into them as we go through, um, I also want you to think about, again, that it's real. And who says it's real besides um, Maslach and Leiter? Well, the WHO, the WHO, the World Health Organization, has now included burnout for the first time just last year as a diagnosable um, uh, illness, as a mental health uh, situation that's occurring where? In the workplace. Okay. It, it's not work-life balance. You hear that? You've heard that phrase? The work-life balance is a real thing. I believe we have to have some balance in our life. I'm not saying there's no balance, but I'm saying work, uh, burnout there's nothing about the rest of your life. It's all found in the workplace, which has great implications for where we go next with trying to prevent burnout, right? If it's, if it's in the workplace and I'm not in control of the workplace, maybe that has a little something to do with, with where we're going. So again, what is burnout? We kept digging beyond our own stories. We didn't stop there. We did a large literature review, and we found that Leiter had actually posted a study in 2014 where he did a meta-analysis on burnout, and there were 6,000-plus academic papers on burnout. 
Okay. So, so we looked at all of that. We looked at the books then. So a lot of these things we'll share with you later today. Um, all of those studies agree burnout is real. Okay. So we just want to put that pin in that. It's real. But when it came to the grants profession, we could find nothing. There was nothing written on the grant profession, the deadline oriented work that we do and how it, uh, and working for good people and good causes, how we just drive ourselves into the ground. We did not find that. So as you'll see on our next slide in 2019, we did a survey. We decided we would ask grant professionals. And I wanna tell you, this wasn't just some little survey we threw together. The survey took us over two months to plan and to prepare. And this survey, very importantly, and I wanna credit my colleagues here for this, very importantly, we did not ask, have you ever been burned out? Why? You'll see as we go through this. Instead, we looked at first demographics, 10 questions on demographics, 10 questions that were related to the symptoms of burnout, and then we left one open-ended question so people could make comments, could tell us their stories, and oh my goodness, did they tell us their stories. It, it was amazing. We had 345 respondents, and I suspect we have several of those respondents on the call today. Um, that was a really good sample size for us. And what we saw was that the folks who responded to the survey were very much like the three of us, okay? Well-educated. They're white, they're female, and they're over multiple age ranges. For example, um, we had equal numbers of baby boomers like me, um, Gen Xers like Trish, and millennials like Bethany. We found it that, that just fascinating. And as we, get, we started looking at our survey, um, our data, we knew that um, one thing would pop up. We expected to see one thing pop up. What we kind of didn't expect was that more than uh, on nearly 80% of our respondents were employees. Okay, employees. So this is what about killed us though. This is one of the things at a high level, because later this year we're going to release um, the information in full. You'll be able to see all the data um, and the analysis between categories, for example, between uh, age levels or between consultants and, and employees. But one of the things that really kind of frightened us was that 84% of our respondents said, um, that they that they had symptoms related with exhaustion. Okay, eighty four percent. That that's a lot. Okay, that's like almost everybody, right? We also saw that seventy eight percent of all respondents, and I hope employers are listening here. Seventy eight percent of respondents reported being cynical and distrustful in the workplace. Remember, burnout is a workplace issue. It's not my head. Workplace. It's being done to us. We have a workplace that's causing that. Would you want an employee that's cynical or distrustful? That's big news for employers in my thinking. 33% of all respondents, one in three, have been diagnosed with uh, an illness related to stress and burnout. That's a lot. Anecdotally, we also saw from our respondents that they still struggle with anxiety, stress, um, fatigue, exhaustion continually. One in three grant professionals is either hospitalized, diagnosed, or both. It's amazing. 
A few other facts we found. 66% of us in the respondents here found that uh, a lack of control at their work. And I think we can see that, right? Again, it's being done to us. And 55% transitioned out of a job, like my friend at the reception, transitioned out of the job or even out of the organization, more than half. Now, of that number, 70% now say, looking back, looking at our definition, now say that it was burnout. Employers need to know this. This is a critical issue for us. One more slide before I wrap this up. Digging one little deeper, consultants are less stressed than employees. Okay, we can kind of see that we have a little more control. Are we saying that you should be a consultant? No, we're not saying that. We're just saying that consultants may have a little more control. And importantly, we're saying burnout is about your workplace environment, not about you, your workplace environment. Also, many of our respondents, 24%, this is another sad thing, said they can't leave where they are. They can't leave. Now, it could be health insurance. It could be that they're a, a single mom. Out of, there could be many reasons for that. But talk about no choice, right? No choice. And my last graph, this, this one just is the worst of the worst for some very deep reasons. Half of us don't know if we could recognize burnout in a colleague in another grant pro. That's, that's insane, that we can't see it in someone, that we can't reach out and provide that, <clears throat> that support for them. Because how can, how can they get better if we don't even recognize what it is? And oddly enough, that's where I was when I was on my journey. So let me tell you a little bit about my recovery. After that Monday morning when everything was great, well, the problem is Tuesday comes. And on Tuesday... I got back in my car and I prayed again. And I said, okay, God, something's wrong when I just keep praying this particular prayer. Um, I need to have some control. I need to take some control. I need to do something. And the long version of this story is I started talking to a couple of grant pros. I, you know, just asking them, you know, about their stories. And by the end of the week, I finally figured out what my problem was. Again, I, I had a culture where I couldn't do my work. I wasn't supported. But my problem was fear. And until the next Monday, when I turned in my letter of resignation, my fear of staying was not as big as my fear of leaving. And I want to say that again. My fear of staying in an organization and being beaten down and not feeling respected, of being exhausted, of having no self-efficacy whatsoever, um, that was going to stay with me unless I did something to change it. Over a course of years, I'd tried several things, but nothing was better for me than that letter of resignation. I, I had to take some control. Um, and when my fear got, my fear of leaving got smaller than my fear of staying, I did it. I did it well. I, I gave a four-week notice, and I still do some consulting with my employer. So it took me 15 years for that journey total. I'm hoping we can help you make that a little shorter. Next up. Jonna, it looks like you hit a nerve. Mm, 
uh, unfortunately, right? Mm-hmm. Or fortunately, because once you can recognize it, then you can do something about it. Sometimes, and I love this, sometimes chronic stress becomes so much a part of your life that you don't recognize it or the toll it is taking on you until burnout occurs. Sometimes you just hit a wall and it comes on so gradually. It's like, it's like a frog in the, in the pot of water, right? If you throw the frog into a boiling pot of water, it'll jump right back out. But if you put it in warm water and it gradually heats up, the frog will never know the difference. And I feel like that's a really good, um, I feel like that's really symbolic of what burnout does to us. So the signs and symptoms that we, that we, that we say are part of burnout, feelings of energy depletion and exhaustion, increased mental dissonance, feelings of negativism and cynicism, and reduced personal efficacy. But those are just a few. And... What I want to do is I want to, I want to relate to you a little bit because I feel like, I feel like we can all relate to this. Like what's your attention span? Do you have difficulty concentrating? Do you feel overwhelmed? And do you just feel like I don't want to, I just want to sit here. I don't want to do it. Yeah. I think that's all part of it too. And there are conditions that lead to burnout. I want to talk to you a little bit about a book that, that we read called The Happy Healthy Nonprofit, which is great for us in the nonprofit field because um, it's written by two nonprofit cha- champions, Beth Cantor and Eliza Sherman. And so what I'm going to be talking to you about is very much in this book. So if you can get a hold of that and read it, keep it on your bookshelf. There's a lot of great resources. So the conditions that lead to burnout are specific to the workplace. Poor leadership. If you don't have strong leaders that invest in their people. Poor communication. If you're always wondering what's going on. Unclear expectations. Do you feel like they're expecting too much of you? Not enough. And lack of recognition. Are you being recognized for the good work that you're doing? All of those things go into whether or not you feel um, accomplished in your job, whether you feel like it's worthwhile. And the attitudes in the nonprofit sector reinforce the unhealthy behaviors. Things like long work hours. Do Do you get praised? Do you feel like it's a badge of honor that you work long hours, that you work nights, that you work weekends? unrealistic expectations that you will work long hours, that you will answer those emails whenever they come in. Wow, that's a hard thing not to do is to check your email after hours and not respond to them after hours. Low wages, are you being paid what you're worth? Are you being paid the time that you're putting in? And are you doing more with less? The whole COVID-19, if we weren't doing more with less before, we certainly are now and not enough leadership opportunities. I was reading that professional development is investment in you. And if you have a leadership that doesn't, that doesn't feel like professional development is important, then that can help. That, that becomes part of not feeling like you're worthy in an organization. But sometimes it's just the nature of what we do. It, my experience in victim service work 
was I was taking in the stories of the people I was trying to help and I felt responsible for them. And then in advocacy, I felt like I had to tell the world about why it was important that they needed to invest in this and why things need to change. Education was a really good part because that felt positive, but the advocacy and the victim services were very hard and people expected me to be there for them all the time. That was really tough. And what if you're in a job that's just not a good fit? If you're in a job because you need the money or because it's the job that you have? And what if you lack control in your work? Or what if the dynamics of your work is dysfunctional and there's nothing you can do? Extremes of activity, oh my goodness. Grant professionals, you guys know this. We have a deadline and it's due in two weeks. Or it's due tomorrow. Or what if you don't have this information that you need from the people you need to get it from? All of those things. Lack of support. And what about work life and balance? How is your how is your life outside of work? And do you feel pressure from both sides? All of these things go into it. But the Happy Healthy Nonprofit has resources that you can take, um, checklists, a burnout assessment, and you can print them up and take them. And it will let you know if you're passion driven, passion waning, passion challenged, or passion depleted. It will also offer up suggestions, which Bethany is going to talk about in just a minute. But the rest of my story, my passion-driven work continued. I still tried to make sense of what happened to me. And I, I changed from the nonprofit world or the nonprofit organization that I was working for. And I moved to a state office of highway safety, which allowed me to continue educating the public on safe driving behaviors. And it helped me have purpose. And then a few later, I just a few years later, I decided that I wanted to be a consultant. I wanted to have more control of my life, more control of my time, more control of of my finances. And that hasn't been without challenge either, because you'll find that as consultants, sometimes our clients have unrealistic expectations, and sometimes we even have unrealistic expectations of ourselves. But um, that is that is my story, and I love being a consultant right now. And I, I think I'm continuing on a road to recovery because I still have the tendency that I want to be all things to all people, and I want to be there and meet their needs. And I just want to I want to be a team player, and I want to do uh, all those things that I feel make a person successful. And um, and I have a family too. I have six people who live in my house. Um, which is its own unique brand of challenge. Um, but uh, I, love, I love my life. And, um, and I want to invite my good friend, Bethany Planton, to um, talk about recovery. Okay. So, I mean, we've heard about our survey results. We've heard about the symptoms of burnout. And that can all be a little distressing, um, just how, how much it is prevalent in, in our profession, a profession we probably, most of us really like and got into because we wanted to be a help. Um, so my part of doing something about burnout, let's start with taking a deep breath and letting it out. And then taking another deep breath 
and letting it out. It's amazing how much just, you know, that little pause of like taking a deep breath can make you at least feel a little clearer in your head and be able to concentrate a little better. Um, and I also want to start my part with going, with saying you are doing good work. You are making a difference and you are changing the world for the better. So thank you to each and every one of you who have chosen this profession and are in this profession. So hopefully with my part, we can kind of give you some um, tools to put in your toolbox to help you um, maybe recover from burnout that you're currently experiencing or prevent it in the future, help your colleagues um, also with burnout. And so, um, there is an airplane, a paper airplane on this screen because you all know the analogy when you're on an airplane, as you're getting, you know, taxiing on the runway, the um, flight attendants up there giving the speech about all the safety of the airplane and you're told that you should put your oxygen mask on first before assisting others. We hear that every time we're on a flight, but why are we given those instructions? Because we can't assist anyone if we aren't breathing. You need that oxygen mask to breathe in this and in case of emergency. And if you're not breathing, you're no help to anyone. Actually, you're a hindrance because then they have to help you. <laughs> um, so we, you hear this analogy over and over again because it's so true. And it's true in the grants profession and nonprofit profession that we can't do our jobs when we're not taking care of ourselves, when we ourselves are you know, not feeling healthy, when we're experiencing that burnout. Um, but take, there's not one formula that I can give you just to take care of yourself and to prevent burnout because burnout or taking care of yourself, the self-care part of it looks different from each person. Um, right now, we had over 3,000 registered, at least 500 are on this call. So that means there are at least 500 ways to take care of yourself because it's going to look different from ev for everybody. Um, so I'm not here to give you the formula. I can't give you, I don't want to give you a long list of things that you should be doing um, or could be doing because that just might cause more burnout. So you look at the list going, ah, I'm not doing all of these things. I'm, you know, how am I taking care of myself? So I'm going to give you three areas that are really the foundation to enhancing well-being. And those are sleep, nutrition, and exercise. And in the Happy Healthy Nonprofit that we've already referenced a couple times, the authors um, call this the tri wellness triad. Um, and this wellness triad is not new information to any of us, right? You all knew this. Um, we've heard the data that getting enough sleep and eating well and drinking water and moving our bodies, you know, makes us better people, helps us feel better. Um, but so let me just be your friendly reminder that to make them a priority in your life um, and only you can make them a priority. We, you know, this is a workplace problem, but that doesn't mean all the solutions are within the workplace. Um, some of the solutions are, but not all of them. So um, this wellness triad really um, helps and affects the way you process information, focus, and handle stress, which is burnout, you know, it's definitely has a lot of that stress feels like that's the underlining current of all the symptoms. Um, and we all experience stress. There's no way to avoid it. Um, and it's what we do with that stress that really makes the difference. You know, our ancestors who were um, hunting, 
you know, may have been chased by a lion or a bear or something. And if they ran away, then they have that relief that they, the stressor is gone, they're done, or they maybe, maybe they didn't run away, then maybe they stayed and fought and killed said animal and had a big feast afterwards. Um, and that completed their cycle. But when we have stress every day coming from stressors at work, we can't kill them. That's not good. <laughs> We're not going to just have a big celebration. <laughs> um, so we need to do something to complete that stress cycle that has been started. And so the best way um, in the book Burnout, which is the secrets to unlocking the stress cycle, um, they'd really talk about the best way to complete that stress cycle is to do some sort of physical activity. Um, now there could be, that could be mean all different things for all kinds of people. For me, I am, you might have noticed I'm standing, I am standing at a treadmill desk. And so moving my body means working at my treadmill desk. I'm not gonna go run a marathon. I'm not gonna, you know, be swimming. But maybe those two things are things you enjoy. Maybe you enjoy riding your bike. Maybe it's just having a dance party in your kitchen um, at the end of the workday to like just help get that stressed moving out of your body. Um, and if you want more information about that, I really do encourage you to pick up the book Burnout. Um, we also have another resource. It's listed in our resource guide and then um, we'll talk about it at the end as well. But really, sleep, nutrition, exercise, whatever you need to do to take care of yourself really does come down to setting some healthy boundaries and habits. Um, and unfortunately, only you can set those habits and boundaries for yourself. It's not always easy. And you can help if you need the enlist some other people to help you keep those boundaries. Um, but it is comes down to you and doing it. And maybe I can almost hear the arguments, but my boss expects me to, you know, or the unwritten expectation is that I answer email after hours or, you know, work over the weekends to get the work done. And that's where I would encourage you to start having some conversations to see if that really is the expectation. Is that real? And if it's real, maybe you need to be asking more questions, <laughs> um, but setting that boundary so that you do have time away from your work. Um, so like I said, kind of like we said with taking self-care, healthy boundaries and habits will look different for every person. And as Gretchen Rubin said, because what you do every day matters more than what you do once in a while. So setting those healthy boundaries and habits means more if you're doing it every day than if you just take a, you know, your one week vacation once a year, um, which you should do that too. In addition, <laughs> take your vacation time. Um, so it matters more going back to our wellness triad. It does matter more that you get enough sleep every day than if you do it just once in a while, or if you, um, eat and drink well every day instead of doing it just once in a while, or if you move your body every day than doing it just once in a while. So take a moment and think about one thing you can do this week to pr prioritize your sleep, exercise, or nutrition. You don't have to do all of them. Just do pick one of them. Um, maybe it's swapping, it, swapping out one cup of coffee a day or one can of pop a day to a glass of water. Maybe it's setting an alarm to remind you to start getting ready for bed. You know, that way you don't wait till the very last minute to even start getting ready for bed. Um, maybe it's taking a break in the middle of the day and going for a walk, just getting away from your computer so that 
you can clear your head. As the data from our survey shows, burnout is prevalent in the grants profession. I hope that's one of the points we want to make today. Um, so each of us taking care of ourselves is a good start in fighting that burnout because when we're healthy, then it helps. Hopefully we're setting an example for those around us and you know, each one of us are healthy that way. But to really prevent burnout in our sector, we do need to make changes at the organizational level and, at, and start changing the culture of our organizations. Um, we need we care, as the authors of the Happy Healthy Nonprofit termed it. So in this book, um, the first half is kind of what Trish was talking about with symptoms and, you know, it's more personal reflection. And then the second half has lots of ideas on how um, we can incorporate this we care and really incorporate taking care of ourselves within organizations. And so I know not all of you on the line are within leadership and so that you might not have going back to some of the symptoms of burnout, you might not have that control and that might not be able to make a lot of changes, but I bet you can make more changes than you think you can. Um, some of it is about have, starting those conversations, but the reason we had asked about team happiness is because um, happier teams do perform better. Not only are you happier, your work improves. And so one thing, maybe, maybe you are a leader of a small team, or maybe you have a grant team because you have people that are helping you get that information and you can start asking about happiness. And as that goes, you know, so when, whether you're that team of one, you know, teams of one can still do it because um, you could ask yourself if you're happy and help do that introspective. Um, and if Diane Leonard did an excellent webinar in June on being an agile and being an agile leader. And I encourage you to listen to that webinar because team happiness is one of the pillars of agile lead, agile nonprofits and agile organizations. And that'll give you some more on that. So another example of we care can be recognition and gratitude. So how often are you thanked for the work you're doing? How often do you thank others for, you know, maybe being part of that grant team and helping you provide, providing you information to write that grant application? Um, as a team, do you have any ritual or celebration when a grant application is submitted? Do you have any rituals or show any gratitude when an application is awarded? Sometimes our problem is we're not taking any time to stop and just say, wow, we did a thing. Like, let's celebrate that. It's, you know, we finished that to do. It's submitted. Good job, team. Okay, deep breath, and now we can move on, you know, because we've had that celebration of essentially com completing a cycle. It might not be a stress cycle, but it completing the cycle of the work. Um, so let me give you some examples of the recognition and gratitude is specifically. Um, it could be a shout out on social media. Maybe your social media gives, you know, your organization puts it out on social media that you either submitted a grant or got the grant award and thanks the team. I know a grant professional or two that buys a pair of shoes after they've submitted a grant for federal grant. And then on a team I'm on, we ring our bells to mark special um, accomplishments like submitting a grant or um, getting a grant award. Um, but I hope you will take some of this and start doing, doing the work to take care of yourselves because each of you are worth it. And then to finish my story quickly, um, I did end up, they had 
moved that job to full-time, but by the time they said it was going to be full-time, I was over it. I was done. And so I submitted my letter of resignation. But before I had submitted that, I'd started doing some subcontracting under another consultant and had another part-time job going. So, and luckily I was in a financial place where I could do that. So after I resigned, I started my consulting business and have never looked back. <laughs> then Jana, you want to go over just quickly? Yes. Um, in the work that, that we've all done over the years, we've, we want to give you back some control. Okay. Cause that's, that's really at the heart of this is we don't feel there's control. And, and it, for us, at least it's come down to these three big things things that you can decide about. It doesn't mean you have to be a consultant. We really want to stress that. You can, you can do this where you are or in another agency. But you need to look at seriously. Do you love the cause? Are you saving puppies? And that's always been your favorite thing. Do you love the organization and all the people you, you do the work with? Or do you love the profession of grants, the puzzle pieces, the thinking, the writing, the putting it all together, the budget? If you ask yourself those three questions, that will help guide you in making some, some more long-term decisions, right? Because if you love your cause or your mission, you can continue to do that if you transition jobs to another agency or even internally, and you can also volunteer for that mission. There's lots of ways to serve whatever mission, the homeless, the food banks, whatever you're doing. If you love the organization, that's a little more challenging, right? You can still see the people, but if you love the organization, then yeah, you have to think internally, how do I make these improvements? And some of the responses in the chat I've been trying to put out there is that just starting conversations around burnout. It doesn't have to be that you're the crazy one going to the boss, because I've felt that so many times and saying, I can't keep up this pace, I can't do that, because that's you, no. Burnout is about the agency. It's about the organization. Put it back where it belongs and say, hey, have you seen this, this article about burnout? Hey, have, did you know that I was at a, a webinar this week and it was really awesome about, about how we need to change up the expectations? Begin the conversation. And finally, if the profession, if writing grants is your passion, you can do that anywhere, anytime. Um, There's so many opportunities in this field, but again, it's the profession and we are hoping that we've helped you see some ways to professionalize it for ourselves um, and how we can try to keep it sane. Okay. So Tammy, I guess we have a minute or two for questions if there's any. Okay. Well, I throw it at you guys can also look and pick off because I don't think we're going to get to all of them. Uh, I have a great organization with fabulous leadership and no ethical questions about where uh, grant money is spent. <laughs> we are a small organization. My burnout comes from the monotony of writing grants, reporting, and all that goes with it. And that ties to another question where someone who's very highly qualified, Richard, and, and at the beginning of the webinar, he asked, uh, no one here in the organization wants to make the adjustments necessary to be mm -hmm. more competitive. So both in those cases where it gets either repetitive or boring or the organization isn't willing to take the next step that interests mm -hmm. you, how do you avoid burnout in those situations? I'll go first. Mm -hmm. So I think that those are professional development 
um, opportunities. So look at Grant Professionals Found or Grant Professionals Association for local chapters, for uh, webinars, for um, resources that can help you reignite your passion for what you're doing. Maybe learning a new skill or um, maybe taking a plunge into an aspect of grant writing that you don't know anything about but been curious and build on your own personal skills. Thank Especially you. for that burn the um, board, you know, because mm -hmm. I can the monotony, yes, it can be yeah. there, especially if the programs don't change. I'd ask, how often do you actually get to see the programs in action? Do you leave your desk and go check them out? Because sometimes that all we need is just to see those puppies, you know, in the shelter or see those kids learning because or see those, you know, the people, the community putting on a play because that just reignites what we're doing. Not saying that's going to prevent all burnout, but it might help reignite that passion for what you're writing about. Someone has asked, aside from going into consulting or in addition to that, what are some other career changes that someone who's been a grant writer who may be bored or not being able to be challenged or just not the right work environment, what are some other alternatives that you've seen as people have dealt with uh, either professional development desire or burnout avoidance? <laughs> so, Jonna or Bethany or Trish, does anybody have a, a final wrap-up or an answer to that last question? They want to put out there? Um, I'll, I'll, I'll do both. Okay. Um, okay. In terms of answering that question, um, we found consultancy to be a way that we went. I was ready to go back into school districts if need be. I had no, I had no parachute whatsoever. This is just where I landed. So, and it has its it burn. There's burnout in, in, um, mm -hmm. in, in consulting as well, which is kind of crazy, but there is. Um, so in fact, when we publish our full work, you'll be able to see that there's a difference, but it is still significant. So we're not saying do that, but we are saying we as a profession have to have more conversations around burnout. We have to reach the bosses, the colleagues, the cities, the county governments, the nonprofits, those little places without HR departments. We need to make our voice heard that we are not crazy. Burnout is a real thing. The World Health Organization says it's a process that begins and is embedded in the workplace. It's not us. That's how I'd wrap that up. <laughs> that is so important to realize that it's not something following me around and it is, you know, like the workplace. And I encourage people to read those books, that the helpful quiz, the concept mm -hmm. of if you feel stress and don't complete the cycle, have so much science built up behind it, it just like, oh, that's why. Even if it's stress that I can get over, instead of putting it in the pile of, of things that lead to burnout, I could, I could keep cleaning off that shelf. So I encourage everyone to look at these resources. Thank you so much, Donna, Bethany, and Trish, for joining us and sharing your experiences. I, several times I've I've almost cried with the the experiences you've shared as well as our our attendees sharing those on the chat. Um, I feel for everyone and I really hope this is something that we can improve on as a profession and with each other and support each other. So as we wrap things up, thank you, thank you again. 
uh, for the great tips and advice. And we hope you enjoyed today's topic. Give us feedback. And we wish you all amazing success in your career paths and all your fundraising efforts. Thank you so much. So that was our conversation. We're going to keep bringing you conversations like this following the coffee talks that we host online. If you haven't already, please subscribe to the podcast. You can look for announcements on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and LinkedIn by following Foundin Technologies. And we want to hear from you. Unlike a lot of podcasts out there, you can participate yourself by registering for one of our Coffee Talk webinars. You can register for a webinar or access additional resources by clicking on the links in the episode notes. So from everyone at Founded Technologies, thanks for listening. We hope you found it helpful, and we can't wait to connect with you again on our next Coffee Talk.